views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Abolitionist Radio, a program that focuses on prison slavery, human trafficking in the United States is all made possible or legalized by the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, which should rightly be repealed and replaced with an amendment that does make no exceptions for the institution of slavery within this nation. Uh, it is a Wednesday night, of course, as we broadcast every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, exclusively here on the Black Talk Radio Network. It is a July the 10th, 2019, and I hope the sound of my voice finds you uh, in relative safety and uh, that your needs are being met. But uh, tonight is pretty much an open forum, but... There was something that, you know, had been on my mind in the past about Representative John Lewis, but he sent out a tweet today. It's sort of like the anniversary of the time he got arrested for getting in as he used the hashtag good trouble and, you know, sharing a picture of his mug shot from back in the 60s or whenever year that was that he was arrested and said it put him into parchment prison. And Parchment, you know, I know a little bit about the history of Parchment Prison in Mississippi. Uh, the Scott sisters, wrongfully convicted, uh, were interviewed them and, and advocates on their behind, uh, on uh, working on their behalf. Shout out to Nancy Lockhart, who worked hard to bring those two sisters' uh, story to national prominence. But hearing how, you know, just the mold and the conditions of the, um, you know, prisons in Mississippi, which just simply is the norm all across the United States. So, you know, uh, John Lewis has not been one to be, be an advocate uh, for the human rights of prisoners, but he will tweet out these photos reminding you of what he did when he was a young man, but um, as he's gotten older, as he's become part of the system or the corporation known as USA Inc. that's still practicing slavery through the uh, 13th Amendment, while he has voted against what's known as mass incarceration legislation, he has not um, been a strong advocate for um, abolishment of slavery and, and not speaking up on, about the conditions. Now, you may have seen him uh, lately tweeting about his visit to the border 
and seeing the horrible, inhumane conditions that these children who have been separated from their parents and then even their parents who have been separated from their children in these very inhumane conditions don't have proper uh, uh, toiletries, uh, amenities, and, and some stories coming out about being forced to drink uh, water from the toilet. But these are stories that you have heard reported to you on New Abolitionist Radio since 2013, this when this um, program began. So I just want people to put everything in, in perspective. And if you're a person who participates in uh, the nine areas of people activity with number six being politics, it might be um, time to primary what they call primary John Lewis because um, not diminishing anything he did as a young man, but I mean, since he's been in office, he's endorsed people for president that have supported mass incarceration legislation. Even though he voted against the legislation, like the 94 crime bill, he still supported Bill Clinton for endorsed the Clintons. He endorsed Hillary Clinton. And I mean, he has not been let's say, a strong advocate for human rights, especially as it pertains to black and brown bodies here in the United States that's being uh, enslaved on these prison plantations. Um, he's ignored, not come out with press conferences or, or anything of the sort, like when he did his press conference about the uh, conditions of the border detention facilities for, for immigrants and migrants and political asylum seekers. But when, what, when can you remember John Lewis doing a press conference when in Georgia, and this made national news, even the New York Times wrote about it, um, when prisoners in Georgia in a coordinated uh, work stoppage and strike across the nation, I think at that time, uh, when was this, 2010, sometime uh, there about then, it might have been six other states that participated, but they staged a strike, uh, talking about the deplorable conditions and the slave wages they was being paid to run the prisons, modern-day slavery. And John Lewis did no press conferences, um, nothing about the violence that occurs in these prisons, the lack of resources for people to even attempt to reintegrate um, into society. And so, um, I especially, you know, tonight, of course, I'm joined by my co-host from Prison Street Talks Ministry doing great work in Charlotte. And they have some events coming up that, that um, we want people in the area uh, to support. But I'm going to have a question for Brother Tyson. So before I open up y'all mic, uh, Brother Tyson, uh, you and Mother Khadija, but Brother Tyson, you was incarcerated all those years in prison. Um, are there any, can you, did you come across any mentally ill white prisoners? Um, I know we just did a show last week. Um, oh, I, I forget the brother's name, um, the uh, the Jewish brother. And we was talking about the inhumane conditions and the lack of mental health treatment and then how people been in solitary confinement. And Max, who's not with us tonight, spent six years in solitary confinement um, we know the Angola three um, uh, that was in Louisiana, though, uh, spent decades for over 30, 40 years in solitary confinement. And, and the reason I'm asking you that is because there was a very sad story that came out of I believe this was Florida, if I'm not, I'm not mistaken. And anybody who knows the story can correct me. But the the young uh kid he looked to be mixed uh possibly with a uh 
black father and a, a Hispanic mother. He appeared to be mixed, and he had he went into a Circle K, and this white uh, man who had just been released from prison came up behind him and cut his throat. And the defense attorney is saying that the guy, the uh, former prisoner is saying he did this because of the rap music that the young man was playing and it made him feel threatened. And the statement was made, uh, attributed to him was that anybody who listened to rap music is a threat to his community. Um, and so while that is no excuse um, to murder someone um, because they're playing whatever type of music. Um, I understand rap music is violent, vulgar, talk about shooting people. And, and not all rap music, but the rap music that gets on the radio that's most popular, that gets all these awards by these white corporate uh, back award shows and, and the people that they uh, give money to do commercials for their brands and what have you. They're putting out very violent and vile and obscene uh, music. Um, and and so people want to dismiss, and I'm not talking about the mother. That's a grieving mother. I would never say anything um, about a grieving mother and her thought process um, because I understand she's emotional right now and, and she doesn't want to see it from there are actually mentally ill people in the prisons. Um, it's long been talked about that how the prisons have replaced the mental health facilities, don't provide money for people to get, let's say, through Medicaid or something that if I need mental health treatment, even if I had to be institutionalized for a month or two, that where I can, you know, have a means to pay for it. But instead of helping, instead of providing those services, you criminalize the people, lock them up for disturbing the peace and lock them up a bunch of times, then three strikes you out. Just, just you know, just that whole whole um, aspect of prison slavery in this country. And so I don't want people to dismiss the fact that this guy is white and the kid is non-white, the teenager, 17-year-old who he cut his throat um, and We'll hear the details as it works its way through court, but do not automatically dismiss that he's making this up. The dude claiming he didn't get his medication. Still no excuse, and there's going to have to be some accountability because a life was taken, but what type of accountability, what, what will that take shape? But let's not minimize the fact that the system of slavery produces mental illness, okay? So let's not just dismiss that right offhand, but John Lewis... Um, sent out a tweet uh, earlier today and he said 58 years ago this week I was released from Mississippi State Penitentiary also known as Parchment Farm after being arrested at the bus station in Jackson, Mississippi for using a so-called white restroom during the Freedom Rise hashtag good trouble and then he's smiling um, in the photo um, you know, he has a little grin on his face. And again, I'm not trying to minimize what he did, the courage it took back then to do what he did to challenge racial laws that are unconstitutional and, and that treat black people and other non-white people as inhuman and subject them to public humility and separate but very, very substandard. 
um, not equal, but you know, so I, I, I am not taking anything away cause you know, people, and I feel like though his staff, cause I don't think Don, uh, John Lewis be behind most of these tweets. He's what nearing 80. Um, now he, he's pretty much up there. I, he, that's what he have a staff for. And so they love to remind us of his civil rights, uh, history, but where is that history being made? Um, today he, he could have been a part of the historic, um, uh, millions for prisoners human rights march that occurred in Washington DC attended by several different organizations and the Black Talk Media Project was was uh, uh certainly uh, proud to be a financial sponsor of that providing the sound system uh, and the PA system and what have you and some transportation of some of the speakers um but John Lewis wasn't there and no other uh US representative was there so um you know, I just think that John Lewis needs to be primary. Uh, he needs to retire. We can thank him for his service. He did vote against this legislation, but I bet you, just like he endorsed Clinton, uh, a backer of mass incarceration and gutting um, um, the welfare uh, system of uh, social programs that help keep people out of slavery um, by lifting them out of poverty. So while he voted against mass incarceration legislation, he still endorses candidates. They go on to win and tell his constituents, yeah, vote, vote for these people. Yeah, they take money from the private prison lobby and all that, and they backed all these bills that I voted against. But go ahead, and, and that's, that's the best person to vote for. And what have we gotten? You know, since civil rights, we ain't really made nothing. It's gotten worse. Uh, the new black codes, if you will, are in effect. So let me open up the phone lines as I have set the table. The telephone number is 704-802-5056. 704-802-5056 is just myself, Mother Khadijah, Brother Tyson, hanging out tonight. Uh, Max Maxwell Melvins of the Lifers Group is recovering. Um, um um, as we spoke about his health issues on last week's program. I don't know if y'all had a chance to listen to last week's program uh, with Tag uh, co-hosting and, and a panel of people of different um, organizations. Uh, it was like six or seven, maybe five or six um, different you know, representatives from various campaigns and organizations uh, on the line. But that was, a, that was a, a very constructive program. And of course, it's podcasted in the New Abolitionist Radio Archives. Good evening to you, Mother Khadijah and Brother Tyson. Your Good evening, Scotty. Good evening, Brother. Um, go back on some of the things that you were saying, man, with, um, you know, yeah, you had a a pretty a pretty good amount, man. When when it comes to mental health, you know, medical don't discriminate on color. It's all about money, finances. You know what I'm saying? They they rather continue to sweep things under the table instead of paying out all this money to be able to get you the proper treatment that you need. They they rich mothers put you on medications and the medications that they are using are gen degenerate medications which is on the low budget not not the quality medications that's going to cost some money so right generic most of these, yeah, most, cheap, cheap. yeah most, of, most of these medications are causing major side effects you have people walking around zombies I just got out of Mecklenburg County last year and um uh, 
you had a mental health patient locked up and 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 confinement. He's in lockup. You know, after my wife went on the news about the situation with them neglecting my medical issues, they put me in a hole. So when they put me in a hole, they actually tried to place me in a room in a cell that was was feces all on the wall because they had a mental health patient in that cell. So, you know, I refused to, to stay in that cell. They had to let me out, relocate me to another cell. But there was this gentleman down there that came to restrain him, which was a white guy who was taking, you know, taking a poop on the floor and smearing it on his body and smearing it on the walls. So you have, you have, it's, it's, when, when it comes to mental health, there's no discrimination between white or black, and they're not getting the treatment that they deserve. The first thing that these people feel like is, oh, they're using it to be able to, to get around some of the laws, or they, or they, they justify it as, oh, he just want attention. <clears throat> but if a person can actually withstand his own feces, smear it on his body and smear it all over himself, there's quite clearly there's something wrong. I don't care how crazy you trying to play or trying to think, there's something wrong. And and they justify these, these, these issues, man. And then, you know, people coming home, PTSD is, is, you know, is a major issue within the system. You have people that come out of there who don't like noise, you have people who come out of there who who are scared to be around multiple people because they've been sheltered. You know what I'm saying? Being in being in lockup, man, and not seeing nobody. You know, or actually being in a cage because when you go to the yard, you're in a cage alone. They lock you up in a cage by yourself. You can be able to talk to people through the cage, but you're actually in the cage alone around no one. Uh-huh. It's like it's like how you go to the shelter and you see dogs in a kennel. Right, it's, right. This, this is how that you're a dog in a kennel. You know, trying to you know, and the only recreation you have, you don't get to play basketball, handball. You, only thing you could do is 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 work out. You know, <laughs> which is push ups. There's no pull up bars. There's there's nothing to be able to physically train yourself. And then you you know you get an hour. And depending on how the, the facility is running, mm-hmm. your rec time might get short. You know, you might get. And so that that impacts for people that don't understand that impacts a person's health. Like I had a first cousin who you would have thought he was in 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 great shape because he was a weightlifter and, and all that. And he spent most of his life institutionalized or incarcerated. Um, but his heart, he had wa- developed water around his heart from. Um, not getting the proper nutrition or the exercise, and they found him dead in his cell. Uh, Vincent Reed, may he rest in peace. And and you know what's crazy about that, Scotty? I ain't never have a heart murmur in my life. I came out of prison this time, man. I went to the doctor, and, and well, before I left there, I went from one prison to another. Now, mind you, I was gone for like two and a half years on this, this go-around, and last facility I went to, the doctor, she said, well, um, you have an irregular heartbeat. You know what I'm saying? Diagnosed me with a heart murmur, you know, and I came home. I actually went to try to go donate, and they did my physical, and um, they deferred me because they saying that it's a, a wishing sound 
but my heart, like my heart is was, was you know, was irregular. So, like, people don't understand the effect that prison has on a person's body, mentally and physically. So, like, you know, you you go, you can go in there and help as you want. Like I did, I worked out, weight lift, I did all that. You know what I'm saying? But when you're in in confinement and you you're sitting in a room and you can't actually digest your food because your cell is so small, you have really no room to walk around or do nothing or really exercise the way you want to. You're not able to walk. So most what 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 most people do when they're they're locked in that cell like that is sit down, watch TV, and and and, and see in federal in federal penitentiaries you don't have a you can't get a TV, you can't buy your own TV because in in the population they have TVs mounted on the wall in the day room. So, but state you can have a TV. So most of the time people that's in state penitentiaries have a TV. They're allowed to buy a TV or purchase TV for their for their cells. So, if if you're in, hey in hey South hey um brother Tyson, but if you think about people sitting around, even on the outside, sitting around spending hours watching TV, that's not good for them either. That, that's what I'm saying. It's absolutely not. So, so prison, you know, just 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 a mess. See, people outside, it's a difference because they have a choice to be able to get out and be active. When you're stuck in a cell, twenty three and one, you don't have that opportunity. To be able to be active, you know, and then you know people have to. Even if you're working out in your cell, you have to be able to time because you get it. You you only get a shower at a certain time. If they wake you up seven o'clock in the morning when 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 the first shift come on and they start running showers, you know you just getting out of the bed. You don't have time to work out because you're not getting a shower until tomorrow. Some spots you get a shower every other day, so it's like, all right, how, how I'm gonna be sticky in my cell? So it's like they, 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 man. It's when I when I say it's, it's terrible in this Scotty, man. Just like the conditions, it's it's like it's like it's like asking Trump to pass a bill for black people. You know what I'm saying when it comes to medical. Because they ain't trying to do nothing. I seen brothers that been sitting fifteen years waiting for an MRI when the doctor clearly state Wow. You know, clearly clearly stating that they need an MRI for their knee. Or they're in severe pain. They right. don't want to give you the proper medications. Or 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 they come up with an excuse, oh, we don't think you need it because um we think you're trying to get high with it. Mm. So it's it's things like that that they come up with these excuses. And like I said, if you have no one on the outside to be able to actually like call and pressure them, especially after you've been writing grievances and things like that, if you have no one to back up your grievance on the outside, they can get you to run around. Yeah, and like like you was uh, describing earlier with with your wife there, Mother Khadija, who's on the line with us. Uh, the reason you got thrown in the hole was because she was advocating for that your medical needs be be met. I think you had asthma or something because that's how I really uh, came yeah. into contact with her was through your story because, you know, that's in Charlotte. I'm right over here in Gaston County, and we have mutual right. friends. So, But, you know, that's what hap- happened to you and how you got thrown in the hole. 
If, if, uh -huh. if, yeah, because somebody was advocating. So sometimes, I mean, while that's needed, they also will use that against the prisoner, too. If they have somebody that's calling constantly, checking up on them, they'll do it out of spite, man. Yeah, they definitely they definitely will because when when you when you start reaching, they bosses and administration ain't going over their head. They don't like that. They're going to find the officer that who works your unit to actually pick with you running your cell, tear your stuff up, like they just doing a routine shakedown, like just go in there, tear your stuff up, you come back to your cell, all your things from your locker on the floor, and if you have a cellar, y'all things might be mixed up, you gotta see whose stuff is what, like, it's like, it's terrible, they find something, you know, I even had a situation where officers planted shanks in, 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 in people's cells, you know what I'm saying, so it's, it, you know, just just so they, it, and, and it's to the point to where that they they try to call you a threat or try to make it seem like you are a, a troublemaker and, and actually ship you ship you out of their facility because they tired of the writer. Now, when you have their bosses calling them and saying, "Yo, what's going on? We getting complaints and write-ups," my wife had to actually go over these people's heads. You know, she had to get the commissioner involved. So, you know, when things like that come, you know, I seen the the faces and the turn up of the nose at me when I when I came out from my wreck to get on the phone. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't getting my mail on time. Like all type of stuff. Like officer was looking at me like I was like like I was a bad guy because they didn't want to do their job. So when I speak up about it. You know, and then actually what really pissed them off is because, you know, my wife was on the news and everybody seen it. But she also was speaking up for other brothers because other brothers asked me to be able to speak up about the pest control. We had ants in our cell. We had no air conditioning. And this is the summertime. So, and, and brothers was like, yo, please, man, if your wife, you know what I mean, can, can speak up for us, that'd be good. Like. Baking well, you in a hot in a hot box. Yeah. It just it, it, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I've heard the stories out of Rikers where it was that happened to a person where they deprived him of water, and oh, they also right. helping in uh, in a Milwaukee jail when Sheriff Clark was overseeing that that jail. Uh, so, but yeah, man, it, it's just and, and again, you know, tonight is open forum, but that's what I'm saying about. Uh, Representative John Lewis. Again, he was on the right side of history. Let me pull up some of his votes. He was on the right side of history on his actual votes. But I can't. I have. I don't see any video. Like if you take Bar Bernie Sanders when they were debating the '94 crime uh, uh, crime bill on the House uh, on the House floor, you got Bernie Sanders out there saying, "Well, you talking about getting tough on crime? Let's get tough on the things that." cause crime like poverty and real impassion like five minute speech railing against uh the 94 crime bill there's nothing like that from uh uh john lewis although he voted he voted i looked at his stuff and um you know he voted let's say in 1993 now he went in there in 1987 reagan was president uh back then matter of fact that's the year i went into the u.s military 1987 uh, February 87. And so that's when he started, but I don't see any record on criminal justice issues or any bills he voted for or against 
um, until 1993. So he he voted for the Youth Offenders Alternative Punishment Bill that passed 336 to 82. I don't know the details of these bills. I have linked to them, and it does have links, and you can find out more about what those bills did. Because um, a lot of time when they are reforming uh, uh, things, they're not making them better. <laughs> okay, they're just changing, tweaking them, um, but it, it doesn't abolish the practice that's being complained about. Uh, let me see. In in 1994, the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act of 1994. Now, that's the bill that uh, Biden has been catching a lot of heat for um, from uh, progressives. Um, he's defending himself on working with segregationists um, to do anti-busing legislation. Um, um, but... Um, they're not going, they're not really, um, attacking him for like, um, on, he was working with those same segregationists and, and getting the votes, working with Republicans, segregationists, white supremacists to pass the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act of 94. You know, he was bragging about they was going to take that issue and run stronger on crime uh, being tough on crime than, than Republicans. But of course the Republicans were going to vote because it was part of their agenda too. So, But he voted no. He voted no, but that bill passed 285-141. Again, this is the bill that many cite as the beginning of the uh, largest increase in incarcerated human beings in, in the United, his, United States history. If you look at it on the graph, you'll see, you know, it'll show like 100,000, uh, 100,000s, and then it go up a little bit under Nixon, then it went up a little bit under Reagan. But when Clinton got in there, and, and all those Democrats, except for John Lewis, he voted against it, but Hillary Clinton supported it. It was uh, her president, her husband was the president, Bill Clinton, um, definitely Joe Biden was throwing his support behind it. And from there, once that passed, man, it skyrocketed. It skyrocketed. And while I have been reading reports that the number of black males that are incarcerated has been decreasing after decades-long campaign, uh, putting attention on them, but I have always said we can't look at this as a gender issue because now women, black women, are uh, disproportionately incarcerated, uh, and, and it's more of them still in prison than it is. A, a black, it's mostly black men that's getting out because um, they were the target. But there's a lot of women in there, man, and it's just a shame that a lot of black women um, is supporting either Biden or Harris, uh, giving their support for this type of bill. Then we go, also, here's another important bill that, that again, to his credit, he voted against, John Lewis voted against the 1994 Omnibus Crime Bill, um, which provided a lot of funding uh, for the slave catchers out there on the street to enforce the new black codes to fill up the prisons. He voted no against the 95 Anti-Crime Bill, uh, let me see. Let me keep going. Um, he voted no against the 97 juvenile crime bill. But again, he, these all passed because it was Democrats and Republicans uh, supporting it. Uh, let me see. Did not vote in 98 on the Juvenile Crime Control and Delinquency Prevention Act. But, um, you know, um, we still can't say he voted for it, uh, although he didn't show up. So. Uh, Federal Prison Industries Competition and Contracting Act of 2003. 
Um, so this has to do with private prisons. Private prison slavery traded on the stock market. He voted against it, but of course it passed the House 350 to 65. Um, it just goes on and on. Immigration Law Enforcement Act of 2006 he voted against. Um, and so it's a lot here. It, it is a lot here of uh, violence against women. Um, he voted yes. Um, so you can check out his record again. So he's been on the right side of these criminal justice issues in his votes over the years, but he has not been a champion, a champion of the inhumane treatment. Treatment that is happening to these immigrants is just being magnified more for whatever political reasons. You can pick a reason. Uh, Hispanic population is growing, so the Democrats uh, want to f- seem like they're, you know, sympathetic to that, although, again, they do these bills bipartisanly. But they're highlighting them. The media's focusing on it. And then there's Donald Trump. He's, you know, at the head of the administration that's in for- that's. It uh, um, ratcheted up the policies that was already in place. And so everybody looking at that, but you got to ask yourself, if you're listening to me five years ago, 10 years ago, whenever these prisoners did they protest or news media, whether it was local or whatever, got out um, about the insane conditions being done to U.S. citizens in jails and in prisons and private detention facilities happening to children, to women, to men, uh, people of all races and and religions, Um, but primarily uh, black people followed by Hispanics as being the most incarcerated. So, but John Lewis, I feel like needs to be primary because he has not supported any of the grassroots movements against uh, prison slavery. He has never tweeted or retweeted the human uh, with them, you know, the uh, millions for prisoners, human rights, March strike, just no support whatsoever. So, I mean, how, do y'all feel like I'm being too harsh and calling for John Lewis to retire or for somebody, a young person who, who understand these issues that a fight against prison slavery um, needs to primary him in the Democratic Party? Uh, what do you What do you guys think? Well, Scotty, I recommend that would be a good suggestion because you want the people that really do care about the solutions to the issues because we know mass incarceration is only going to get worse because the criminal justice system and the Department of Corrections, they can't deal with all these issues that are, are all the inmates have to deal with, like crime, public safety, mental illness, addiction, and poverty. Nobody's prepared to deal with it. They just want to quickly return to in prison just go ahead and throw them in just throw them in prison throw them in jail is the solution and we see it's backfiring um i think um just yesterday um pr- the prison breakout as a result of mass incarceration out in mississippi they're blaming it because it was mass incarceration and come to find out they are short staffed 500 people so you got all these you got 1800 inmates and you don't have enough people to, to make sure that they're everything's ran properly what do they think is supposed to happen? So what happened was, according to this article at Jackson Fresh Press, they said that they need to be, um, they're tough on crime or are they smart on crime? They had ACLU, the MacArthur Justice Center of the University of Mississippi School of Law, the Mississippi Center of Justice, and the Southern Poverty Law Center. All of these people spoke out about, you know, these civil rights groups. They spoke out and they said, look, we really feel that we know that it's mass incarceration is the issue. 
you know, you throw, you can't just throw people in prison for years. As one um, director of the MacArthur Justice Center said, he says, for every little offense under the sun and then act shocked when the prison population swells to 20,000, he says you can't afford the astronomical price tag that goes along with having one of the highest incarcerated rates in the world. And that is true. No one's prepared to really tackle the issue of mass incarceration. One, um, even in this particular article, Belisa P. Williams, who's a Democratic candidate for governor, she's very qualified. She's got a bachelor's degree in criminal justice, a master's in criminology and justice. And what she recommends, she says that these current inmates should be equipped to go back into their own communities and improve them once they get out. She says she wants to create a culture of rehabilitation. That's what's needed. And she said the idea that they are separated from their families is a punishment. She says, imagine if you were training from them for infrastructure jobs, just a real job with skills. We see little work groups on the side of the roads picking up trash. She said, we can get our kids to pick up trash. We need folks with skills and knowledge to do things to help build our communities back up. And then she says the need for the state to improve its mental health system in order to reduce the prison system. That's the main issue. They're putting mental illness inmates in, in popular population, and they need to figure out, is locking mental illness patients up is going to solve the mental Ill- illness issue? No. Or it's charging them with crimes. Or charging what? them with crimes. Now, uh, again... You know, I opened up talking about this teenager who had his cut, his throat cut by this former inmate um, who says that they didn't give me my medication or, um, you know, he gave an irrational uh, response saying this music made me feel threatened. You know, that's not rational thought. Now, it remains to be seen if he just throwing up some kind of defense to mask his true motive. Um, but I don't think we should outright dismiss mental illness, given what we know about what the prison system produces. And, 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 and you know, we have to start questioning, okay, do I charge this man for disorderly conduct and lock him up in a jail because he's in the middle of downtown Charlotte? Because I've seen this in Charlotte when I used to catch the bus um, uptown before they built a transit center. Everybody would meet on the bus at the square where you, you uh, trade and try on. And you see all type right. of people. And so I was coming through there one afternoon. It was like lunch break because, you know, you got all the office workers and whatnot. And it, what appeared to be a homeless man who was kind of large. He looked like he was in shape, too. I wouldn't have wanted to fight him. Um, but he was just sitting there yelling at the top of his lungs, just cursing and cursing. Now, when the police came and I waited to see what was going to happen, they did call the ambulance, and they put him in the ambulance, and he went along peacefully. Um, but I don't know what happened to him after that. Did they just then take him to jail and throw him in a cell, or did they take him to a place uh, to get uh, his issues addressed? Obviously, he was mentally ill. Um, but, you know, these are the questions that society, I don't think, have, have really gotten deeper into. You know, not the activists, not the academics that's writing about it, but I'm saying the general public. We have impressed upon right. uh, people like John Lewis and other representatives to hold hearings on these things and, and uh, make changes. Hey, Scotty, like, I've seen situations that, that, that was, 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 like, crazy. And then we had one dude, he was on, he, they had him in on 
maximum security in the federal penitentiary. You know, underground, where they had um, John Gotti at, where you, you don't get out your cell, your mail is read on, on TV and stuff like that. Now, they actually wound up letting the guy, <clears throat> the guy out. He's been in there for so long, so he was so used to being alone and in his space. So they wound up sending him to a prison where he could be in population. The guy winds up saying, he kept telling the administration, I want to go home, I want to go back to ADX. And they went here. So he actually asked the guy to walk him up there so he can go speak to the administration. He winds up stabbing the dude in the neck so they could send him back to ADX because he was just that messed up. Like, when I say, you know what I mean, another situation is where a guy, he was mentally ill. A dude looked at him, you know, just, you know, just a walking by look, and, you know, the guy was like, Oh, he he must want he wants want beef. He's looking at me, and he actually wound up stabbing the guy up twenty something times. So like, it 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 it's crazy, man. It, it it's very crazy. Like being in there, you have to be on. It, it's like being in Afghanistan or something, man. And you gotta always watch your six. And doesn't you know, sound like um doesn't sound like they doing a good job on public safety because prisoners a part of the public. We want to dismiss yeah, them not, and they, think they of them like they're not. They want, they, they, they want you to kill yourself in there. They don't care. Yeah. Hey, guys, no, next they, week, um, on this topic, uh, as we got about 15 minutes left in the broadcast, um, yeah. next week we will have a former prisoner. Um, I can't. Let me pull up it, pull him up right quick. Um, I invited John Lewis and his staff um, to tune in to New Abolitionist Radio uh, next week, and I'm I'm scrolling on my Twitter timeline to find it. Um, the guy is standing alone, 48. DJ Vodka is his name. Uh, you find him on Twitter at Standing Alone 48. He's the author of The Green Wall. He's a retired California correctional officer, an expert on the cold of silence. Uh, says my two feet never left the ground. And so he'll be joining us next Wednesday night, and he's going to detail some of the stuff that's in his book, including about road guards uh, detailed in the book who who were uh, brutalizing prisoners and, and what have you. I have the book. He sent me the book, and I'm still going through it, but he'll be with us next Wednesday at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. We hope uh, that representatives uh, like John Lewis will will tune in. Now, I'm interested to know. I need to dig in his background, and I'm certainly we can question him on what he's seen in terms of mental illness and, and, and the mistreatment of prisoners. Um, but he he spent, I think, 16 years as a prison guard in California. I wonder if Kamala Harris was the attorney general during any of those years that that he served. Um, so that would be interesting. Make sure y'all tune in next week. Um, Tyson, Khadijah, y'all got anything coming up? I, I know y'all always doing events around Charlotte. I want to give y'all opportunity to talk about um, this upcoming uh, project and and how did the fashion show go? I don't know if I had a chance. Y'all weren't y'all were off last week, you know. But I saw online that you know uh, seems like everything went well with the fashion show to benefit uh, survivors of domestic violence. And y'all also have an upcoming event. Yeah, we got a fashion show. Um, 
Yeah, well, the fashion show, Scotty, was amazing because we did it for domestic violence and for cancer because in October, you know, it's both labeled for October for domestic violence and cancer. So we just combined them. But to see these women and some of the men that's gone through domestic violence just just celebrate life without worrying about what they went through but be able to help the next person heal. We had Mark Jarrell, commissioner. He, he always comes out to these events, and he spoke, and he really just showed the importance of us coming together and appreciating life as we have it. So it went very well. Um, we've got a project, um, a project I'm working with with a gentleman, him and his wife out of Atlanta. They're doing a tour, and their company is called African centered sovereignty education that's the name of the tour and the purpose of this tour is to pretty much educate our own storytelling to them so what they do they provide the theoretical foundation practical examples options and tools that they need to educate ourselves during the times that we live in so they offer like the project love project which uses family history for academic excellence they have the black wall street teaching from Oppression without depression. Remember, oppression without depression. That's pretty deep. And then they have a melon mastery, which uses STEM to heal cultural alienation. This is some of the things that we're working with, with other partnering with um, other organizations. And they're out of Atlanta. So they'll be here next next Friday. And it's a free intro. It's free to the public in NOTA at 28 um, Central, um, 2424 North Davidson at the NOTA Creative Arts um, Studio and I'll put that on the website too and take advantage of all these educational uh, institutes and, and foundations that really taking time to educate not just our youth but ourselves so we're not oppressing our own selves because sometimes we do oppress ourselves by right. staying in the negative instead of coming using the negative to create something positive out of it so this and, is what and, they're, and, they're and, trying to and that ties into you know, that also, excuse me for interrupting you, Mother Khadijah, but, you know, I've really been uh, talking about this lately on social media, but the misogynistic, violent music in, in certain types of rap music that's sponsored by McDonald's, sponsored by Subway, sponsored by all kind of local businesses and national uh, corporations, and this music, it creates a negative vibe in the air. You know, it's even spiritual to a, to a certain extent. Your music is part of your environment. And if, if someone's telling you to commit acts of violence against anyone, that can get into your spirit. But it's just a negative. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not an expert. I haven't seen the details. I haven't examined this former prisoner who says that his mental illness and, and the rap music the type of rap music, well, he just said rap music. I would like to know what artist was was this kid playing. But again, when you talking about murder, destruction, abusing women, that's negative vibrations you putting in the universe. And, and um, that was a inappropriate reaction that this former prisoner saying that he had. But just think about it on different levels when you examine. Just consider that when you examine. Uh, why certain communities uh, seem to have higher instances of violence than others. Just a thought on how the two connect. And I'm sorry, did we lose y'all? Well, well it, 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 like, I, as a veteran, you know, like, partners of yours or things, certain things trigger they they trigger memories of 
different situations when yeah, like Fourth of July battle and war. So, see, every people, the community don't understand that when people come out of prison, that's coming out of battlefield. Just let's just be honest about it. Mm-hmm. It's coming out of battlefield. So maybe a song that was being played was a song that reminded him of a situation he may have got into in prison. You know, and that could have triggered a reaction or just the lyrics to the song could have triggered a reaction or something that he went through in his life. Like I said, not defending the man. Because, listen, man, person, this is, you know, everybody got free will. First, be able to play whatever you want to play on, buddy. I play my rap music, too, so. I, I do, too, but I, I just don't play rap music that dehumanizing us as N-words and tell us to shoot N-words or to drug our sisters. and Yeah, but, you know, um, some people handle it, some people can't, but I don't think it should be on the federal uh, licensed airways. But um, I hear what you say on the freedom uh, to listen to what you want to listen to that was not appropriate reaction for him to cut that guy's throat. Um, right. Um, but, but I'm just again, like, though, PTSD. Mm-hmm. Points of view, the, the, the points that you're trying to make, mm-hmm. I understand. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, the world we live in today, Scotty, man, everything is unpredictable. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. You never know what's going to go on with the next person or how they react or what mood they're in or what they're going through. Some people, you know, are, are so fed up with their life that they feel like they don't have nothing to lose. And this is how I feel, how this guy was feeling like. Some people do stuff because prison life is all they know, and they they don't mind going back. Mm. No, they don't care about going back. They don't care about consequences because you have some people that come out in society after doing 20 years, 18, 15 years, that don't know how to cope, but they know they way around the prison system. And no programs and to support them. People become institutionalized. It's like mm-hmm. it's like some some of these people feel like he's taking them from their home, and they want to go back home mm. because that's all they know. Mm. So so when when we look at people that come out here from incarceration, when these people are locking our brothers and sisters up for multiple years, they feel like that's all they know. So they don't mind going back because they can cope. They can live. They ain't got to struggle out here. They don't have to worry about when their next meal coming. They don't have to worry about paying rent and light bills and stuff like that. So to them, that's like, that's a free place to live. And it's sad to say it like that, but I got to keep it well, real. Well, uh, also, Brother heard, Tyson, that, that depends on the state, though, because I've been reading articles about, uh, matter of fact, the prison work program, it had uh, Microsoft, it had uh, uh, the coffee, Starbucks, um, it had Walmart on there. And and so it was. It had a pie chart breaking down the $1.98 that the prisoner was paid and then where each portion of the pie went to. And a very good chunk of that went to administration, which includes room and board. So a lot of prisoners do have to pay uh, uh, room and board, or they're passing legislation to make them. But I understand the point that you're making about people being used to that environment in that routine. What it is is a routine. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And and and, uh-huh. and and because of how it's messed with their minds so much, 
is that they'd rather be in an abusive situation like that because it's the same routine and they've learned how to survive in it. And then, but they get out here, you know, like you said, then it, the uh, PTSD may kick in as well as the lack of services, the discrimination, right. the collateral consequences. Can't get a job, can't find housing. There's just no, they're not prepared to reenter. Right, right. And, and, and see, they're, they're, they're not preparing us for, for re-entry because, you know what, I didn't get offered a program to where I can find housing or or setting me up with, with community jobs or sending me the, the situation, you know, that can benefit me by me just adjusting to society. So, like, when you don't have these type of resources and then, you know, in Charlotte, Charlotte is like New Jersey. They have mad resources to help you when you come out of, out of prison. North Carolina has the worst resources for prisoners that come from incarceration. You know, you have to grind on your own with your own willpower to be able to actually do what it is you need to do out here because the resources suck. And that's why we started Prison Street Talks, man. So we can try to at least help or point people in the right direction so that they can that they, they can actually know where to go and know where to find out resources. Half of these people that come out of um, prison, if they don't have no family, they have to go to the shelter. I've seen so many brothers, like young brothers, that's in a shelter because they have nowhere to go. Their family not letting them come to their government-owned apartments because they don't want you on the lease because you got to run a background check. Right, and and they're legally barred. See, that's part of, again, the discrimination against people with felonies barred from public housing and and, yeah. and, and what have you. So even like, for example, you're married. Let's say that your wife, while you were in there, uh, uh, had a place in public housing or subsidized a uh, uh, section eight or something, not you know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been able to go. I you wouldn't have been. Y'all wouldn't have been that. able to live together in that house. Nah, I went. I went through that. I went through community link one year, and um, a situation happened to where that they would not give her a place because I was on her own list. So they 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 discriminated against me. So she had. I had to get off her thing. And this her. Couple, this was, yeah, this was years ago, but you know, it was just the, you know, it it was just the, the principles of that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be on her list for her to get approved. She, I had to be off her list for her to get approved. So I actually, when she got approved, I had to go stay with somebody else. You know. Mm. So yeah, it, I know. It, Collateral it, exactly consequences. Right. Yeah, and, and, and that's my wife. So I gotta go stay with somebody else because I can't. In your place because my wife is, is dealing with public housing. Well, per, slavery has always been about the destruction of families. That's yeah, one of the consequences know, of it. The yeah. time, they always try. They always tried to keep the man from the woman anyway. Right. So listen, we gotta yeah. uh, get out of here now, Khadijah. I want to hear from you one more time about the upcoming event. Cause are you still looking for models? Uh, for the event, are you still? I saw something you posted on social media. Yeah, actually, I'm doing a fashion car show, um, and I'm working. Uh, we need models. We need some 
old school cars, some new school cars. We just need, we want to do something different so that we can promote other businesses, small business owners to get involved to help market their business. It's all about pretty much the Black Wall Street. How can we keep it within and how can we help others without becoming crabs in a bucket? So we figured we put designers from this last fashion show and other, when I say a lot of people have been hitting me up, I got to find a bigger venue because I wasn't expecting to be this big, but if we can get models, we can get vendors, we can get speakers. I need all of that, but I can't have everybody, but we're going to do a tour with this. So we're going to start here in Charlotte. And the next tour is going to be um, Charleston, South Carolina. So stay tuned for the date. By next Wednesday, we should have everything locked in so we can announce more of um, solidify a little bit more. But I thank you, Scotty, for letting us plug that. And, and the group Aya out of Atlanta, everybody, please, next Friday, the 19th, it's free from 5 to 7. The Nota Creative Art Studio, 2424 North Davidson. Come and get really educated. Learn something. Learn some real knowledge, not the knowledge they teach you in school. Learn some real knowledge about how to exist and survive and deal with this mental oppression that we have to deal with. All so right. I just want to get that. And Maxwell, I love you. I miss you. We know you know mass incarceration is your thing, your topic. So I hope we represented that well for you. <laughs> And get well quick and uh, recover from whatever ails you, bro. Um, well, we're going to say good night here at New Abolitionist Radio. Um, you know, thank you to uh, Brother Tyson, Mother Khadijah, Prison Street Talks Ministry, um, putting down the work in Charlotte, helping uh, prisoners in domestic violence and just everything, um, trying to address a lot of stuff uh, in, in the community. So make sure if y'all in the area to uh, support those that their organization and the events that they put on. Um, I'll be back on air tomorrow um, with a broadcast of BTR News. I'll be on at 11 a.m. Eastern time, uh, so make sure you check check me out tomorrow. And and John Lewis, bro, um, appreciate what you did in the past, man. But I don't think you the one to lead us um, in this future fight against prison slavery and human trafficking. And we need some younger blood. Uh, so to speak, uh, to primary um, these Democrats and, and even Republicans uh, who have been a part of this institution called the U.S. government that's abusing uh, so many people around the planet. But the number one thing we focus on is modern-day slavery and human trafficking via the 13th Amendment and the funneling of black and brown and uh, poor bodies into the prison industrial complex. Till next week, peace and blessings to all. Good night. Land of the free, it lies the home of the homeless. Too many die every day, and we really just want this. Freedom.